Welcome. Good evening. Now I'm sure I'm still traveling for two more weeks and we will continue to review what she has taught in February this year on the seven-point instruction of cause and effect. So today I will continue with the points four to seven of this um, uh, seven-point cause and effect. Um, and that means cultivation of love, cultivation of compassion, the great resolve, and the result is bodhicitta. Now that many of us have heard these instructions many times, and they are um, actually meant to meditate upon them again and again and again. So repetition is very important to learn how to integrate the teachings into our hearts. If we don't meditate upon them repeatedly, then the information will be just intellectual and it does not transform our mind. So that we will do tonight. So we will have extensive meditations. <laughs> um, we will review the noble teachings on those four points on love, compassion, the great resolve and bodhicitta for the purpose to familiarize ourselves with them to finally act on automatic in love in compassion, in wisdom, instead of um, acting on automatic um, so anger, attachment and ignorance. So first we will start with some silent meditation. Check your posture, sit straight, close your eyes. The best thing is to have your eyes a little bit open so that some light can come in. But don't focus on anything in front of you. So that will prevent you from getting too sleepy. And first, we do a brief body scan to release any tension. If your spine is a support, allow all the muscles of the body to relax with each out-breath. Breathe in, and with breathing out, relax. Don't change your breathing pattern. Let the breath coming in and out very naturally. With every out breath, release tightness in your body, like tightness in your legs. You carried you through the whole day. Tightness in your belly, your shoulders. Soften the muscle in your face, your jaw, your mouth. You can put a little small, little smile on your face. It will support your relaxation. Then open your forehead, especially between the eyebrows. And relax all muscles on the eyes. There's nothing to look at right now. You can relax.
Let your body be still as it settles into a relaxed state. And when thoughts arise, only recognize them as such. Don't follow them, don't get caught up in them or stop them forcefully. Release them gently with your out breath. So we will do that for some minutes to calm our mind, to gain some clarity. Now visualize the Buddha in front of you and think that the Buddha is the embodiment of all the wisdom and compassion appearing in that physical form. He is the embodiment of the entire path and all the results of the path. And that is being symbolized being represented and appearing in the form of Shakyamuni Buddha. He sits on a precious throne, both high and wide, and on a seat of a multicolored lotus, moon, and sun disk. The throne is supported by eight great snow lions. This whole visualization is made of light. See Shakyamuni Buddha not like a statue or a painting, but a living being made of light.
like a hologram. Really focus on feeling that you are in the presence of the Buddha. color of his body is pure gold. He has one face and two arms. The right hand touches the earth and the left is a meditation posture, holds an arms bowl full of nectar. He wears the three monastic robes and he is adorned with the signs and marks of a Buddha. Buddha emanates the flood of light in all directions. Imagine he is surrounded by your direct and indirect spiritual mentors, teachers, your deities, Buddhas, Bisattvas, Herons, Heros, and an assembly of Ayadama protectors. Just as the feeling you are sitting in the presence of a huge assembly of noble beings and fully awakened Buddhas. And they are all looking at you with kindness, with compassion, with understanding. Develop a feeling of great faith and confidence and trust in the holy beings. Spend some moments to generate those feelings in your heart. And for your motivation, think, I and all sentient beings who have been my mother from beginningless time until now have continuously undergone the dukkha or unsatisfactory circumstances of samsara. This universal experience of being caught in a cycle of rebirth is due to ignorance and karma. difficult to fathom the depth and breadth of this misery that we are all in. Also, if we just think about the news we heard daily, it is quite apparent 
people think now that I have attained a precious human life, so difficult to attain and so meaningful once acquired, if I do not realize the supreme liberation in which all the dukkha of samsaras overcome, if I don't become a fully awakened Buddha, then once again I will have to experience the various torments of cyclic existence in general and those of the three lower realms in particular. As I now have before me the spiritual mentor and the three jewels who can protect me from this pain, who can lead me out of it for the sake of all mother sentient beings, I will do all I can to realize precious, perfect and consummate Buddhahood. And this, from the depths of my heart, I take refuge in the spiritual mentors and in the three jewels. Also visualize yourself surrounded by all sentient beings in human form. Think of your mother of this life on your left, your father on your right. And as far as you can see, you are surrounded by all sentient beings who are just like you, wanting to be happy and not wanting to have problems. And we start with the refuge prayer and bodhicitta. I take refuge until I have awakened in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. By the merit I create, by engaging in generosity, and the other far-reaching practices, may I attain Buddhahood in order to benefit all sentient beings. I take refuge until I have awakened in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. By the merit I create, by engaging in generosity, and the other far-reaching practices, may I attain Buddhahood in order to benefit all sentient beings. I take refuge until I have awakened in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. By the merit I create, by engaging in generosity, and the other far-reaching practices, may I attain Buddhahood in order to benefit all sentient beings. May all sentient beings have happiness and its causes. May all sentient beings be free of suffering and discourses. May all sentient beings not be separated from soullessness. May all sentient beings abide in equanimity, free of bias, attachment and anger. In particular, for the sake of all mother sentient beings, by all means, think I will quickly, quickly Realize perfect consummate Buddhahood. To end that, and I will now meditate on the stages of the path to awakening 
by the means of the profound practice of Guru Deity Yoga, Guru Buddha Yoga. Let me do the seven limb prayer. Reverently, I prostrate with my body, speech, and mind, and present clouds of every type of offering, actual and mentally transformed. I confess all my destructive actions accumulated since beginning this time, and rejoice in the virtues of all holy and ordinary beings. Please remain until cyclic existence ends, and turn the wheel of Dharma for sentient beings. I dedicate all the virtues of myself and others to the Great Awakening. And then think, thinking of the universe and everything beautiful in it, especially filling the sky with clouds of offerings, things you consider beautiful and desirable, things you want for yourself, but are now offering them to more beautiful forms, to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. First to create merit and to develop the feeling that takes delight in giving and to free yourself from attachment to all these things. Discount anointed with perfume, flowers strewn Mount Meru, fallen of attachment, aversion and ignorance, friends, enemies and strangers, my body, wealth and enjoyments. I offer these without any sense of loss. Please accept them with pleasure and inspire me and others to be free from the three poisonous attitudes. And imagine a duplicate of the Buddha comes from the Buddha in the space in front of you and comes to sit above the crown of your head, facing the same direction as you, as we recite the requesting verses. Glorious and precious would go, sit upon lotus and moon seat on my crown, guiding me with your great kindness. Bestow upon me the attainments of your body, speech, and mind, the eyes to whom the five scriptures are seen, supreme doors for the fortunate who would cross over to spiritual freedom, illuminators with wise means, vibrant with compassion, to the entire line of spiritual mentors I make requests. And in response to your requesting the Guru Buddha, five colored lights and nectar, flows from the Buddha's body above your head into you and that so absorbs into your mind and body and into those of all sentient beings. This light purifies all negativities and obscurations accumulated since beginning this time and then specially purifies all illnesses, spirit interferences, negativities and obscurations that interfere with correctly relying on your spiritual mentors and thought and deed. Your body becomes translucent, 
nature of light and all your good qualities, lifespan, merit and so forth, expand and increase. Think in particular that a special realization enabling you to correctly rely on your spiritual mentors in thought and deed has arisen in your mindstream and in the mindstream of others. Do the mantra of Shakyamuni Buddha aloud together until I ring a small bell and then we do it silently and do the visualization to that. Tayata O Muni Muni Maha Muni Soha Tayata Now we have prepared our minds and bodies and most importantly made a heartful connection with the Buddha. We are actually going to meditate on love, compassion, the great resolve and bodhicitta. The Buddha taught two vehicles within the Mahayana, the Paramitayana, the Sutra and the Mantrayana, the Tantra. The gateway to the Mahayana is bodhicitta. Once someone has created this mentality, that's a person of the Mayana. So if we call different plants, fertilizers, moisture and light are the common growth conditions. But each plant needs its specific cause, their spe special seed. The specific seed from which the qualities of the Buddha emerge is bodhicitta. Even at times when the Bodhisattva does not nurture the mind that wants to attain Buddhahood, 
for the benefit of others. For example, when he, she is asleep or pursues other activities, Bodhicitta remains in him or her further. But who has only a superficial understanding of Bodhicitta cannot de be described as a person of the Mayana. So someone may be a practitioner of Mayana, of the Mayana, but she is not necessarily a Bodhisattva. So Bodhicitta is the heart of the Mayana. For its development, two main methods have been handed down, the equalizing and exchanging self and others, that we will go through next week with the Naval Sutton. And the seven point instruction of cause and effect that we started last week with the Naval Dancho, the first three points. Today we will continue with the fourth to the seven points instruction of cause and effect. Buddhahood, the state of an awakened one, is developed from Bodhicitta the altruistic intention to become a fully awakened Buddha. And the great resolve, a mind that is willing to take on the responsibility to benefit others. The great resolve arises out of compassion and loving kindness. Love is brought about by the desire to repay the kindness of other beings. And this attitude is created by seeing the kindness of other sentient beings that is caused by recognizing them as our mothers. The first six contemplations are the causes for the result of the mind of Bodhicitta. So love and compassion are interdependent. Love is included in Bodhicitta and visa versa. Both cannot occur separately. Love is a deep desire that all beings may have happiness and the causes for happiness. Then, for that, we develop compassion, an intense desire that all beings may be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Buddhahood, the main mind of an awakened one, cannot arise directly from bodhicitta. Before that, the great resolve, the mind that takes on the responsibility to benefit others, needs to be developed. The reason for that is this compassion and love are also present in hearers and solidarity realizers due to their practice on the four measurable attitudes that are equanimity, love, compassion, and joy. On the Shravakayana, here are paths that will be practiced intensively. The difference to the Mayana is that love and compassion is associated with the responsibility to actively ensure that others experience the happiness and freedom from suffering. We go beyond the desire to benefit by taking upon ourselves the responsibility to take care of the welfare of others. Therefore, a Bodhisattva trainee must train accordingly to take on this responsibility 
to generate this extraordinary mindset of bodhicitta. Now, to go beyond this intellectual understanding, we will actually meditate upon love and compassion and the Great Resolve. First, we start briefly with the meditation on equanimity, followed by seeing all sentient beings as mothers, seeing their kindness and wanting to repay their kindness. So remember from last time, Meditation on equanimity, reduce the feelings of attachment towards friends, aversions towards enemies, and apathy towards strangers. And remember the reasons why to have equanimity. Take some moments. Then recall that all sentient beings have been your mother throughout beginning this time, many times. So you had this very close relationship with them. Try to remember the teachings we received and the review from last week. And then think of the kindness of your own mother or caregiver and generalize that to all sentient beings. You can also think of the kindness of animal mothers. So many sentient beings in different life forms have taken care of us as their young ones throughout beginning this time. Really see that kindness from all sentient beings. reflecting that, let arise the wish to repay that kindness.
Now we are ready to meditate on love. Renova suggested in her last teaching that it's quite important to do these steps before we start with the meditation on love, compassion and such until we have really familiarized ourselves with, with those meditations. So love is the wish for sentient beings to have happiness and the causes for happiness. Manama Shutran emphasizes how important it is to wish others happiness according where they are at. For example, there are different things that we are mastering in different stages in our life. And we need to take care, or we need to take that in consideration because if we wish them happiness of a life stage, they are not at, for example, because they are gone beyond that. We will miss something. Then was said when we, for example, present Dharma to them, it's very beneficial to know where they are at and what they need. Also, she said, it's important to wish them the causes of happiness. Because if they don't have the causes of happiness, that happiness gets used up and then afterwards there's no more good karma left. So it's extremely important to wish others the causes of happiness too. So in other words, that they may have a virtuous mind, a mind that is interested in benefiting others and being kind, generous, that they have good ethical conduct, good values, that they are able to work on their emotions and such, and that they may master that. So let's take some moments to think about that and to really think about what is happiness and what's the causes of happiness. And also think about that in a Dharma way, not just from a general society way, like may they be happy to receive the days off to go on holiday or such. No, you try not to have just worldly outlook when you're generating love. Take some moments. Now we begin the loving-kindness meditation with somebody we are close to. Maybe your mother or a dear friend. Imagine that person before you.
which you now mistakenly takes for happiness, will become painful. She wants happiness greatly, but all happiness she wants eventually gets lost. Present life as well. Worn out and exhausted, she experiences only misery and is totally deprived of genuine happiness. And I think, wouldn't it be wonderful if she had happiness and all the causes of it? She have happiness and the causes of happiness. And think. I will ensure that she gains happiness and the causes of happiness. So, I will get involved in making this happen. a request to the Guru Buddha. Please inspire me to be able to do so. And then think of a neutral person, somebody you don't have any special feelings for. And think, think in the same way. Outline it and do it on your own. First think that that person doesn't have any real happiness. All the happiness they have eventually, eventually turns to pain. That in their search for happiness they create a lot of causes for suffering in future lives. And then generate the wish for that person to have happiness and thinking how wonderful it would be. And think, may they have happiness and its causes, or shall make them have happiness and its causes. And request to the Guru Buddha to inspire us to be able to do so.
And then, think about somebody you don't like. An enemy you feel threatened by. Somebody you feel afraid of or who has harmed you. And apply the same way of thinking. Think how they want happiness but create the causes for misery. How they look forward to so many things in their life but never have genuine happiness, nothing long-lasting. Think about how they lack the causes of happiness, which is karma, and then think how wonderful it would be if they had happiness and its causes. May they have it. I will cause them to have it. And then make a request to the Go Buddha to inspire you to be able to do so.
response to you requesting the Guru Buddha. Five colored light and nectar stream from all parts of his body into you through the crown of your head. Light and nectar absorbs into your mind and body and those of all sentient beings. It purifies all negativities and obscurations accumulated since beginningless time. especially purifies all illnesses, spirit interferences, negativities and obscurations that interfere with ensuring that this mother gets happiness and the causes of happiness. The body becomes translucent, the nature of light, all your good qualities, lifespan, merit, and so forth, expand and increase. In particular, that a superior realization, realization of the intention to ensure that all these beings gain happiness and the causes of happiness has arisen in your mind stream and in the mind stream of others. relax a bit. <laughs> so, um, Venerable actually shared that in the Pali tradition they don't start off with a dear one because that might trigger attachment or favoritism and instead they use um, usually uh, somebody you have respect for and um, so you have some positive feelings about them. You respect them but you're not attached to them. They usually say this can be a mentor, a teacher, a preceptor. They don't have such strong attachment, but it's a person you know and respect. And if that's the case for us, then this means we have problems with attachment um, to friends and such, then we start with a respected person and then go to a neutral person. So when I said that, it's very important to get the mind away from attachment when doing this meditation. Otherwise, we are not transforming our mind at all. So but fall back into favoritism and emotional reaction and such. 
So then, um, for the meditation on compassion, that's the same sequence, but here we start out actually with a really grisly scene of physical suffering. Like thinking of a sheep that gets slaughtered, or thinking about somebody getting headed, or think about that person in Syria who um, experiences bombs flying all around, the family uh, got killed or the house got destroyed. So what Venerable also mentioned that those pictures make it very easy to think that compassion is only related to physical suffering. And as much as you can stretch your mental pain, you can't stretch it beyond that, she said. And because that kind of compassion is very limited. Because with this kind of compassion, you can go to partiality or even adversity because you have compassion for a group of people like your own religious group. Or you have compassion for animals or sick people thinking that is the only kind of suffering to have compassion for. Uh, but when you think of rich people who are comfortable, you might get angry at them, but also those people have suffering. Like the suffering under the Duke of Change. But the happiness, happiness gets lost and gets turned into pain. We get disappointed and disillusioned. So it's not just the people who are suffering, because when they then get well, we don't have compassion for them. Another emphasizes to think of Duke of Change and the Duke of Pervasive Conditioning, that just having a body and mind under the control of afflictions and karma is an unsatisfactory state, because every moment we are right on the edge to experience very gross suffering and we are never really free. We are always under the control of afflictions and karma. Without getting rid of the pervasion conditioned dukkha, there is no way to experience any kind of peace. As I said, we will do a lot of meditation. So we will do a meditation on compassion on an animal, actually. So having in mind what Venerable taught us, not to be distressed by that, but to learn to open our heart and to start with that, because that's kind of an easy access normally for us. So we will um, meditate upon a situation of a cow <laughs> in a factory farm. Yeah, please take again a comfortable meditation position. Compassion is the wish to free all sentient beings from suffering and the causes of suffering. If we are open to compassion, we can feel the pain of another. Usually we are the opposite. As soon as we experience suffering, we are about to see it, we often turn away from it. So the first exercise, therefore, is to actually recognize the pain of another being. We develop a strong wish that this sentient being may be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Dukkha. 
By doing so, we change the perspective and look at the world from the eyes of the suffering sentient being and to develop an understanding of his first situation, their life, circumstances, interests and problems. Now imagine a cow that is held in a factory farm together with many other animals. It is clamped into a narrow stable without daylight, standing all day and night on a concrete floor without straw. The food is given automatically by machines cow never sees a meadow or never the sun. After a short, miserable life, the animal is driven to the slaughterhouse and killed by a human being's hand or by machine. If we confront ourselves in this way with the suffering, we might have a tendency not to want to see it. This tendency might appear, for example, in destructive thoughts, like, I have to do a call, or in doubts, who knows whether the cow actually experienced anything. So when we are mindful, we will be aware of how the mind gets distracted. To strengthen our compassion, we imagine ourselves in the position of the animal and develop empathy. How would we feel in such a situation? How would we feel if we are brought to a slaughterhouse? What kind of pain would we experience if our life ends in such a violent way? Reflect upon the whole scenery. But as I said, it's not the purpose of such meditation to feel overwhelmed by the pain, but to develop a strong wish. May you be free from suffering, the causes of suffering. Have compassion in our heart. moved due to these experiences of feeling with another's pain and we are eager to do something to end the suffering. Take some time.
it's important to remember that every sentient being has the Buddha potential within oneself. Every single being, may it be a fly, a fish, a human being, has the potential to be free from dukkha and to become a fully enlightened being. So we develop a strong desire for this being to be free from dukkha and the causes of dukkha. May it fully develop the state of final bliss Buddhahood. I think I shall ensure that this being is free from dukkha and its causes. I'm going to get involved in doing something. Go Buddha, please inspire me to be able to do so. This meditation on compassion we can extend, of course, to people, first to people who observed ethics purely or threatened the Sangha, disrespectfully abandoned the Dharma and such, had force from false views and harm sentient beings. And then we go to a dear one, such as your mother. Yeah, I thought maybe you have something you would like to share from your experience? Having a little bit of a discussion? Otherwise I have some stories to share. <laughs> Maybe something came up? Yeah, I, um, I see from doing this meditation right now in this way how to shy away from the horror of the, of the killing of the cow, mm. um, I, I, I opt to go to the compassion for the perpetrator. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's a cop out. That mm. it's not dealing directly with that. So I so I went to so I made myself go to you know what was it like to be one of those people in the church in Charleston mm. and have a gun. Mm. You know what does that feel like? What is it like to be that? young woman from Missoula whose ex-husband was walking in mm-hmm. and so so to really feel that from the side of the person experiencing the suffering you know it's, it's like I, I couldn't make myself stay there mm-hmm. but um, but it's just interesting to notice that I cop out mm-hmm. and go to trying to have compassion for the suffering Really Do you know why? Yeah, it's painful. You really can see that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, wants, who wants to be there with that bleeding, screaming cow? Of course. 
The other way is also painful if you really look if into the position of a butt shot. Really right? there, sure. Mm -hmm. but, but that person isn't bleeding yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. That person isn't in terror yet. Anger is easier for me to mm -hmm. be with mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. terror. Mm -hmm. What I noticed when we did it was um, it's harder for me to think about the pain of an animal than of a human, actually. <laughs> and I think it's because of my years of being with people yes. that were in pain. So you're used to see... Yeah, so the mm. animals is the hardest for me, actually. Mm. And I kind of shy away from that. Yeah. I actually witnessed a cow being killed once. Mm. Um, I was like 16 years old and they said, we're going to kill a cow. We want everybody to go away unless you want to stay. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, we want to see it. And, like, mm -hmm. and actually, I, I did that too. And then I thought about it and I said, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went into the house and they just took a gun and put it between the, the cow's eyes and here, mm -hmm. just bang. And you heard it and you kind of felt the, the cow drop. It was like, and I was like, why would I want to watch that? Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, I have a, I have a different experience. I'm, I have a lot easier time being with the victim, and which is why I did the BBC the way I did today, is because I mm -hmm. have a lot harder time being with the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. I am a lot. I have a lot easier time dealing with the terror than with anger. Yeah. So the animal, I can be there in a terror. Yeah. I can be there with somebody pointing a gun. Yeah. But to, to think about the person who's pointing the gun and the somebody who's got the saw that's about to dismember the animal. Yeah. I have a lot more judgment. I have a lot more yeah. harshness in my mind for that. Yeah. And I think part of that is that you know one of my identities most of my life was. Was a victim, yeah. so I have a really close relationship to what that mind might. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And the folks online shared that the meditation helped them think about how their everyday actions uh, contribute to harming other beings, like if you use leather products. Mm -hmm. And someone went past the cow and generated compassion for people who still eat beef. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. thinking about the whole system. Mm -hmm. Involved in harming the animal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I could very much relate to the meditation, not being able or wanting to distract myself. For example, there. Um, there's an organization called PETA. Mm -hmm. Is that right in English? Mm -hmm. And. Um, oh yeah. So Peter is documenting worldwide situations of animals in factory farms, for example, and also videotaping them to make a case, to make it public, and to engage the citizens worldwide to protest against such treatments. And I started many years ago to um, to watch one of them, because I, I signed for the newsletter, 
and like I have very much in memory that cows for, cows, for example, are able to have feelings when they are in situations like being in a slaughterhouse. And they have documented that those cow, cows can, they actually cry in the moment of death. They are fearful and they cry incredibly. And I remember one story that happened three years ago, something in China. It was in a, it happened in a slaughterhouse where they killed water buffaloes. And one butcher, he was going to do that. And he saw in the face of this water buffalo, and he saw the tears coming out of its eyes. And he couldn't believe that. And he called his colleagues to off together. They stand around, and then this water buffalo kneeled down on its first, on its four legs, mm -hmm. and cried incredibly. Mm. And those butchers, they were so astonished. They couldn't believe what they saw, and they developed compassion. They couldn't do what they planned to do and they discussed what to do. And while they discussed, they, they thought, okay, we will sell, uh, we will buy this water buffalo and give it to a Buddhist temple. And while they were discuss, discussing it, the water buffalo stand up as if he or she would have heard the whole discussion. <laughs> so something like that, and seeing the pictures of crying cows and um, such, um, I don't know how you can't change your behavior, <laughs> you know. So for me, having compassion with those who are not aware of that arose over the time because I now I have been ignorant like that too. I ate meat without knowing what is behind that for many years, as many of us probably. So having been in the same situation, it's a little bit easier for me to um, imagine that they are acting out of ignorance and doing a lot of, creating a lot of negative karma to, yeah. And another um, story I heard many years ago about an inmate, obviously some inmates are working in slaughterhouses too. And he was supposed to do this act, kill cows. And he was doing that. He was in the process of doing that. And then he saw the tears in the cow's eye. Again, he was totally disabled. And he said, I can never do that again. He quit. He, they couldn't force him. So, yeah. It's incredible. How can you not develop compassion for those beings? Yeah. Anything else came up for you want to share? Yeah, I think these pure animals very much know that they are going to die. And that's fact. Pension Lausanne Shuki Kjatsen um, gives in his uh, 
easy path, uh, an explanation how to continue to meditate on the seven-point cause, seven-point instruction of cause and effect. So once you have some spiritual experiences of this meditation of the first five points, um, inclusive uh, love, compassion, then you continue with the superior intention, the great resolve, where you really want to get involved. You really want to do something for the welfare of sentient beings. The great resolve is actually the, is the actual thought that decide to work for others. The first three points of the seven-point instructions are the basis for generating this aspiration to benefit them, and love, compassion are the wishes to benefit them. So I thought we will do a very short meditation on on the Great Resolve to kind of come to the end of this presentation review. Again, um, try to sit in meditation posture. Can visualize the Buddha on your head and think I shall ensure that all sentient beings undergoing dukkha and deprived of happiness are free of dukkha and of the causes of dukkha. I shall ensure that they find happiness and the causes of happiness. Sankapa suggests to think, oh, these beings were so dear to me, do lack happiness and they are plagued by suffering. Think, what can I do to bring them together with happiness and to free them from their suffering? continues. I shall especially ensure that all mother sentient beings attain complete and perfect Buddhahood. Guru Buddha, please inspire me to be able to do so. Sankarpa says further that bodhisattvas in training should train themselves again and again in those thoughts, even if it initially takes place only in the form of mere words. In the mind training teaching, they often give the advice to practice all the attitudes and behaviors in words and through recitation. 
This allows us to get used to these thoughts more and more. And in the Samadhi Raja Sutta, it said about what a man can, a woman can, makes a lot of thought. This will become his mental activity and his mind will be more and more directed towards those thoughts. So that means wherever you put your attention to, your own thinking is directed towards it more and more. And so the mind transforms, changes. Who directs their thinking on wholesome deeds will gradually change their attitude. This is a very natural process. And the result, bodhicitta, is the aspiration to attain full awakening in order to able, be able to benefit sentient beings. Love and compassion are the actual attitudes wanting to benefit them. Love wanting them to be happy, compassion wanting them to be free of suffering. The attitude of love says, I myself am going to bring happiness to sentient beings. And the attitude of compassion is saying, I myself am going to free them from suffering. So the great resolve is taking on the responsibility for bringing this about. Ask yourself, do we now have the ability to lead all sentient beings to perfect Buddhahood. Right now we can't even lead ourselves to that state. Moreover, even if I attained one of the two kinds of hardship, my work for others' welfare would be partial, and I would lack the ability to lead all sentient beings to Buddhahood. Who has that ability? I would lack the ability to lead all sentient beings to Buddhahood. Complete and perfect Buddhas do because of their physical qualities being perfectly adorned with the signs and marks, their verbal qualities a melodious voice with 60 characteristics that in a single discourse can explain the teaching effortlessly to all sentient beings in each of their languages separately and their mental qualities. Direct perception of all knowable entities on both the conventional and ultimate levels of existence. Impartial compassion for all sentient beings like a mother for her unique child that never abandons the task of taming them even for an instant and spontaneous and effortlessly activity such that every light ray emanated from their body, speech and mind can establish innumerable sentient beings in the state of omniscience and the like. 
impeef, since only Buddhas possess every kind of good qualities and are free of every kind of fault to complete both my own goals and others. I must attain Buddhahood. For the sake of all mother sentient beings, by all means, I will quickly, very quickly realize complete, perfect and precious Buddhahood. Go Buddha, please inspire me to be able to do so. Venerable really uh, encourages us reflect upon the seven point instructions cause and effect and see to see how it changes our mind so in the beginning our opportunities to really benefit others are limited but nevertheless we could see it's good to focus our thoughts in this wholesome direction only if this way we can acquire this ability and Ashwagosha said whoever has this thought to benefit others it will become reality what we first practice thoughts will become slowly part of our mind stream and sooner or later we will have deep impact that will have deep impact on our actions and then we will finish this with you by refreshing the image of the Buddha above the crown of our head. The Buddha melts into light down through the crown and reappears at our heart chakra. And your body, speech and mind becomes inseparable from those of the Buddha. Due to this merit, may we soon attain the awakened state of Guru Buddha, that we may be able to liberate all sentient beings from their suffering. May the precious body mind not yet born arise and grow. May that bone have no decline, but increase forevermore. May the spiritual teachers who lead me on the sacred path, and all spiritual friends who practice it have long life. May I pacify completely all outer inner hindrances. Grant such inspiration, I pray. May the lives of the venerable spiritual mentors be stable, and their virtuous actions spread in the ten directions. May the light of love's and teachings dispel in the darkness. 
of the beings in the three worlds always increase. May the deeds of explaining and practicing the Dharma done by groups supporting the teachings and their upholders who will spread the view of dependent arising and non-violent actions in the ten directions and especially at Shavastia be in the West flow.